Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We've got a very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Before we get into that, though, if you have any questions or comments for the show, as always, email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. You could also call or text us your questions or concerns, 424-254-9141. You can subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Megaphone, any place you can find podcasts. And if you leave us a positive review, a five-star rating, all of that stuff really helps propagate the show. We want the people to know about the show. And I'm joined by Keely York. She helps tell people about the show. How are you doing, Keely? Good. I'm doing well. I'm excited for our special guest today. Are you going to reveal who the special guest is? USC Athletic Director Mike Bone joins us today. He talked about in his press conference uh, being more open with fans and media too. And it seems like he's living up to that that hype. When's the last time we talked to an athletic director on the podcast? I believe that would be zero. You would be correct. 1,100 episodes, over 1,100 episodes of the Parastyle Podcast. Head coaches, assistant coaches, Media celebrities, we've never had a sitting USC athletic director on before. So big props to Mike Bone for coming on the show. Well, let's not waste any time. Let's bring him in. All right. We are joined by USC athletic director Mike Bone. Mike, thanks so much for coming on the Parastyle Podcast. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be asked, and uh, I'm looking forward to having a visit with you both. First, I just wanted to let you know, I just wanted to thank you for you know having this accessibility. Uh, we've, we haven't seen that much lately, I guess, around USC, but the fact, you know, the first time I met you, uh, let people know you invited me to sit next to you at the, you know, one of the basketball games. I sat courtside with you for a while and just how accessible you've been and being able to come on a show like this. It's, it's great. So thanks so much. And we appreciate you doing that. No, absolutely. I think it's important to have an opportunity to have a relationship with people like you that know a lot about things in the marketplace and also have an opportunity to engage with our fans and supporters, the community, and so many constituents that are important to us. So first up, I know you kind of hit the ground running when you were first hired. It was a tough transition. You came in two weeks left with the football season. How was the transition for you, and how's it been in Los Angeles? Well, the transition uh, improves every day. And what I mean by that is just the relationship, this uh, passion from Trojans from top to bottom, uh, the leadership team on campus, and the number of people that are committed to ensuring that we have the ability to have all the resources and, and engagement and support to be successful is inspiring. And uh, that being said, obviously the uh, first several months were just crazy, living in a hotel and so many different things going on. But uh, as I said, every day we improve, and uh, that certainly is encouraging. Keely did say hit the ground running um, really one month into your job, and you were faced with this big decision, and this is the question we get the most from fans, so we got to ask you, ultimately, what was the rationale for uh, retaining Clay Helton after the 2019 season? Well, I, I appreciate you asking that question, and, uh, but that was, a quest, that was a decision made three months ago. Since then, we've talked openly about our expectations, uh, of which Clay fully embraces. We've doubled the size of our football recruiting and marketing operation. And we've assembled what I believe to be the finest group of assistant coaches from top to bottom in the country. 
Our focus is, is on forward as we are actively preparing for spring football, and we're going to continue to uh, really aren't going to continue to discuss the past. It just hasn't served us well. And in fairness to Clay, uh, we're actively having conversations every day about ways to improve the football program, and uh, that simply wasn't happening before between the administration and the football coach. So fundamentally, as an athletic department, we're prioritizing building a foundation that will help us uh, build our program to be more successful for the long term and allow our student-athletes to thrive. And again, I don't believe we really set it up for that to be the case, and obviously that will assist us in recruiting top talent to USC. In his uh, statement, Clay Helton mentioned he has resources for a successful uh, team going forward, and you kind of alluded to that in your answer. Can you expound more on, on how you've been supporting the, the football team and, and, and the resources that Clay mentioned? Well, again, I think it first and foremost starts with energy and enthusiasm, and but also uh, simply asking the questions. On day one, I talked about listening and learning and, and before leading, and I think I heard loud and clear from Clay and other leaders in the football enterprise that they didn't have some of the resources and some of the uh, uh, flexibility to make the moves and decisions that they believed they needed to make, and we were quick, quickly able to uh, let people know that that wasn't the case anymore and that uh, we were all in associated with what we were trying to do to ensure that we could be successful. This is a team that's bringing back uh, a lot of talent, a lot of production coming back. You mentioned the you know increased resources, the coaching staff, six new members, and it looks like it's a really improved coaching staff. It I, The expectations have to be high for this team. What are your expectations for Clay Helton and the team in 2020? And what would you say a successful season would look like for 2020? Well, obviously, as you can expect with uh, our daunting schedule coming up, we're not going to assign an arbitrary win total to define success. There's, there's just too many variables that enter into that. But the foundation for our expectations is to win Pac-12 championships and compete for national championships. And I recognize from day one that our fans have high expectations for our success. And we want to consistently compete for championships, just not in football, but across the board. We take great pride in our top finishes in the Directors' Cup, and uh, we certainly recognize the importance of sustaining that and uh, really reclaiming USC's position as a preeminent program in the country. Clay understands the expectations, and we all recognize how critical this season is. I think that makes a lot of sense not having, uh, you don't want to say, oh, 9-3 and three or 8-4. and four. That doesn't really matter. I, what we hear the most is how important beating the blue blood programs are on your schedule. You know, you face an Alabama, you face a Notre Dame, or you know, the, the, whoever the Pac-12 champion was, like an Oregon last year. To, I mean, do you put more weight on games like that as opposed to like winning the division? No, I think they're all important. Every single game's a big game, but we recognize those marquee games is, is huge too, and uh, I think that's why we want to be built to be prepared to. Uh, tackle those opponents in big stages because we're going to continue to schedule big games and we're going to continue to build the expectations that, uh, that we want to play in those games and we want to win those games. And uh, I think that's what our fans want. I think that's what we've always stood for here at USC. And we recognize the, recognize the importance of stepping up and, and playing in those games. 
you mentioned the fans and their expectations. You know, we've heard a lot from them. Some of them just simply don't want to see Clay Helton as a head coach. I mean, as an athletic director, how do you win those uh, fans back and uh, make them confident in the athletic department again? Well, I think it's clear, and, I, and I've said it before, we're all frustrated. And we share everyone's frustrations and disappointments, and it impacts us personally. And, and through all the negativity, I found myself truly inspired by how deeply Trojan fans care about our program. That passion is a big reason why I wanted to be the AD at USC. So, we, again, we embrace that, and uh, we're taking steps to ensure that we are doing the things that we know are important in building a winning program and obviously starts with uh, great talent and uh, obviously talented coaches. You mentioned the coaches. Uh, We've seen a lot of moves on the coaching staff. It seems like good moves so far, but how involved were you with the hiring and firing processes? Well, I think it's important to uh, really give a ton of credit to Clay for the decisions decisions that he's made in building really a phenomenal coaching staff. And I mean that. They are extremely talented, and I think it's validating for Clay and our program that so many elite coaches pursued the opportunity to join the Trojan family. And uh, Clay and I are partners, so we will make many critical decisions in collaboration with one another. But I give him credit for assembling such a great staff. That's something that uh, uh, he should take great pride in, and uh, as so many people really should recognize that the head coach has got to be able to pull that together. And as the athletic director, it's my job to equip our football coach with the support and resources, which aren't always just financial, to perform at the level in which we all expect. I think we're all in a greater position in that regard than we were 12 months ago and even two months ago. The, uh, at Cincinnati, the Luke Fickle hire was you know, tremendously successful. You guys had a really specific process in place for that. Were you able to apply some of those processes you used during that hiring you know, phase to some of these assistant coaches that you guys just brought on recently? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I think, uh, again, you have to have an extensive network nationally to be able to tap into. I think you want to do your homework on analytics associated with their previous performance associated with what they do in year one and how they have ranked with their units nationally. I mean, you look at, for example, uh, Sean Snyder coming in and his uh, incredible background as a special teams uh, expert and the fact that he has had every, virtually every year his team in the top ten in virtually every category of special teams, coverage, yardage, uh, all those different things. And uh, I think that analytical aspect is, is strong. And I'm fortunate to have somebody like Brandon Sosna, who was uh, running the cap for the Cleveland Browns, to come in and help me with that. And, uh, again, that thorough review, but also understanding their integrity, understanding their burn and desire to be at USC and to compete in the Coliseum and knowing that that is a premier venue to play in college football and uh, knowing that they're up to that. So uh, it, it's basically, again, having all those different pieces in your repertoire to ensure you can evaluate and attract the best coaches. The uh, In their opening uh, press conference, which was great, everyone loved it, uh, you did talk about the importance of recruiting, and we've been covering recruiting a long time. As far as rankings go, this was the worst class we've seen during the internet era. And there were some comments you made in an Annenberg interview back in December about recruiting going better than people wanted to admit and some, you know, four silent commits. And 
uh, you know, maybe the fans impacting some of the negativity towards the recruiting aspect. I want, you know, now the 2020 class has passed. I want to give you a chance to kind of clarify some of those things you said. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, first of all, I think it's important that, that I say that I'm not naive about the fact that we've underperformed in recruiting rankings as of late. And you have to understand that when I'm asked about recruiting before signing day, it does not benefit us in any way for me as the athletic director to talk negatively about coaches, the program, or our student-athletes. Uh, we were still chasing some of the top recruits in the country at the time. I was simply trying to be, posit- be a positive force in helping make that happen. And I think that positivity and that energy is, is critical in the re- recruiting process. I will own that I may have gone too far with my comments, but understand that in the moment, I believed the best way to support our program and our recruiting efforts was to be enthusiastically positive about our future. And quite frankly, I'm still exceedingly optimistic about our future because this is USC, it's the Coliseum, it's our history, it's LA, it's all those things that are really fundamentally strong for us to be able to be successful long term. And again, not to mention the recruits who were signing and their parents are also reading my comments. And I'm not going to speak negatively about anyone who's coming to play for us. I have met many of those incoming student athletes and I believe in them. I believe in them a lot in their backgrounds, their families, and why they chose USC. And uh, as you both know, L.A. is where the world stars come to perform. We should have the ability to recruit better long term. And as simple as that, we will. Uh, Makes sense, Mike. All right. Um, You have to work with people, you know, outside the athletic department. You have the president, Carol Folt. There's a board of trustees. How much, you know, how much do you guys work together on all these athletic department matters? We're a great team. And I think that's why whether there's a a major decision to be made, there's no athletic director in the country that makes decisions independently of their boss or other leaders on campus, trustees, major donors, uh, people close to the program. And uh, I'm thrilled with the team that that, uh, President Fultz has built here. That leadership team on campus is uh, aligned in a very, very special way, and I have to tip my hat to her and the members of, of her leadership team and the way they come together and the way they support uh, us, but also how we support them too. And that alignment and that teamwork and that partnership gets better and better every day. Currently, USC is one of three FBS programs to never play to FCS school. Will that still be the case after the 2021 season? Well, I'm happy to tell you that we have informed UC Davis, that we intend to cancel that game. We are in the final stages of formalizing an agreement with another FBS opponent to replace UC Davis. And I have to give our donors and fans a lot of the credit. When I arrived, I committed to listening and learning, and the feedback from our fans was clear. Preserving our history is critically important to us and to our fans, so we work to make that happen. You know what's interesting about that, Mike, is that we, you know, a lot of the traditionalists didn't want to see that happen, you know, play an FCS school if you didn't have to. And it sounds like you guys have found a way around that. Were there fans that wanted to, or was it mostly they, they would have rather got rid of that game? 
Oh, I think it was clear our fans didn't like it, and our fans uh, uh, recognized that, that uh, we're one of only three institutions to have never played uh, a team at that level. And I think that says a lot about SC and our commitment to uh, wanting to ensure our fans see viable games and uh, and ensure that they have a great experience watching those games. So uh, uh, they were really clear about it. And to be honest with you, I think there were a lot of people on campus that encouraged us to ensure that we could fix that as well. Yeah, well, that's, that's something that's going to make fans happy for sure. There's another one. I don't know how much you can talk about it, but what the interim AD, Dave Roberts, uh, revealed that the universities only have to disassociate with players for a maximum of 10 years from the NCAA. So I guess the time is expiring on that Reggie Bush disassociation. Is there a plan somehow for it to try to maybe welcome him back? And, you know, fans would love to see him get his Heisman Trophy back, but is that something that's on your radar as well? Well, right now I'm not in a position to comment on that matter specifically, and I don't mean to frustrate the two of you, but no, it, it's fine. just like the <laughs> FCS football game. We've heard our fans' feedback and we are proceeding accordingly, and uh, we'll continue to do what we need to do to work on uh, on that uh, critical piece of our history and a crit- critical piece to our fans. In terms of other sports, have you gone? Have you had any thoughts about adding additional sports? We get a lot of questions about women's softball. I know it's very popular in Southern California. Have you given any thought to that so far in your tenure? Well, I've heard soccer, I've heard uh, men's soccer, I've heard some softball. Uh, certainly different people have talked about that. But right now, we've got 21 wonderful sports. I look at those athletes that represent each of the 21 sports every single day in my office. And uh, my goal right now and our focus is on to go 21 for 21. What does that mean? Pick it up in any athletic metaphor you want to use. Batting average, free throw percentage, field goal percentage, Uh, touchdown percentages in the red zone, whatever you want to talk about. We want all 21 of those sports to be uh, successful and for those student-athletes to have a phenomenal experience. So right now that's where our focus is on ensuring we're going 21 for 21. Uh, You're very active at the USC basketball games. I I mentioned at the top, sitting next to you courtside. Now you're you're sitting in the stands. You want to get a better view of everything that's going on there. Um, How have you enjoyed the basketball games and what's your assessment of how the, the team is doing? It's kind of a Everyone is close to, you know, one game out of the, the first place in the Pac-12, but what is your assessment of how the team's doing? Well, first of all, I love going to basketball games. I have enjoyed a uptick in energy from our students and the passion they're bringing, and I salute uh, them for that. I think that, obviously, the style of play we play helps that as well. They enjoy watching our, our players uh, and some of our elite players play. Uh, I do not sit courtside because it's probably best for me to uh, sit it up a, a little bit further away from the action and uh, allow my wife to enjoy a seat where she knows that uh, she doesn't have to hold me back from getting too excited. Uh, so that's that's part of that. But uh, I think that as you look at our team and the energy in the in the arena, if we can build that, to a higher level to match their talent level, I think we can do some special things in basketball. And that goes for men's and women's. And I really have to salute our women's team who have had a lot of adversity through injuries and and a young team to knock off 
UCLA at the time, I believe they were ninth or 11th in the country. And then to back it up this week with uh, a win over number 11, Oregon State. And the energy and the passion and the wonderful DJ. I haven't even mentioned how awesome our band is. We all know that. I think there's some magic there that we can build and enhance. I think that uh, some of the new ideas we're thinking about will be well-received by our fans and our students. And I don't want to reveal them here yet, but uh, it has to do with, obviously, uh, everything we can to enhance the fan experience. Because I just feel like our athletes deserve to have a similar type atmosphere that gives them a competitive advantage advantage at home is what they face on the road. And uh, I think that we'll continue to put energy and passion and and some wrinkles into that to uh, help our students and our fans know that uh, they're a big part of it. As I like to say, it's a participatory event. It's a participatory event for our fans to be actively involved in the game, influence our team, influence the visiting team, influence the officials, and uh, actually create a better experience for everybody there. I know this is probably another topic that you can't fully comment on, but in terms of the Varsity Blues scandal, was that a case of a few bad apples in the department or a sign of a larger culture problem? Well, I I just prefer not to even go into to that. Uh, I think that uh, it's well documented the challenges that we had there, and uh, it's just uh, personnel issues and all those different pieces of that. And uh, our focus is forward. We're focusing on the future and uh, revamping this program, one with that's fundamentally sound, with high integrity and the ability to again create a phenomenal student athlete experience for all 21 of our sports. We want to talk about uh, USC football practices. We just a couple more topics for you. Thanks again for uh, for coming on. Um, we saw practices get closed off to the media outside of the first twenty minutes uh, last year. I have a personal opinion on this, and I you know other people shared about how Los Angeles is such a professional sports town that it's important if you want more media coverage to have the open practices. It's something that worked really well, especially during the Pete Carroll. It's just kind of been part of the culture of of USC football. Um, I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that, or if that's if you felt strongly, or what you guys did at Cincinnati uh, as far as having practices open to the media and even fans that 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 we saw that during the Carroll era. But then that kind of ended during all the the sanction stuff. Well, obviously that's a moving target, but right now I can tell you every single spring practice is going to be open to everybody. Yeah. Media fans, you want to come out and watch this practice? Come out and watch it, and then I think we'll obviously evaluate how that works for us and what we wanted to do going into the fall. And then you, the staff members you guys added, we would hear from a Todd Orlando uh, about how his, his philosophies were on practice. Is that, is that something you guys took into consideration as far as, you know, revamping maybe the level of intensity to practice or the physicality with some of the new staff members you brought on? I don't think it's tied solely to that, but I know that Clay and Todd and our entire coaching staff understands the, commitment to being mentally tough, physically tough, and fundamentally sound. And uh, that's what we focused on and finding coaches that are great leaders and the ability to deliver that. And again, my hat's off to Clay for being able to attract those coaches. Last topic for you, uh, Mike, thanks again for all the time. Um, for the Pac-12, uh, there's been, you know, it's pretty well documented if you follow like John Wilner or John Canzano doing a really good job of, you know, some of the shortcomings in the conference. Uh, you know, we've just seen Mel Tucker get poached away from Michigan State being able to double their salary. I think USC's positioned well as far as, you know, the teams in the conference. 
But do you, how do you feel, look at USC as far as a leadership role going forward in the conference? Well, it's, it's really simple. I mean, you think of the LA market and the value to the league there. Uh, obviously, our, our ongoing series with Notre Dame, our marquee games that we, that we commit to in non-conference, it's important for us to continue to be leaders in the Pac-12. And uh, it's important for us to operate from a place of strength. We all know that the Pac-12 media rights deal has not met our expectations. And we're falling drastically uh, behind. You know, just from, I believe, 19, uh, excuse me, 2018 numbers were $11 million per year per institution, shy of the average remaining four Power Five conferences. So that's a gap that is a serious competitive disadvantage for us. So this is uh, something that we have to really spend a lot more time on and ensure that we can find some solutions because we're closer to the American Athletic Conference and distributions than we are to the SEC and the Big Ten. And uh, I know Larry Scott and his team are committed to, to try and find those solutions for us. Is there, I mean, is, would there be other options on the table as far as like, you know, when the TV contract comes out in 2020, where if you, you know, I think USC has to get better on the field, but looking at going independent or joining another conference or pairing up with another school and doing something like, are there options like that, that I, I don't think USC would have considered in the past Would the, would those kind of options be on the table? I think right now, uh, and Larry would agree with this, everything's on the table. Oh, all right. Well, that's uh, this is definitely a different feeling than what we've got um, <laughs> talking to other athletic directors uh, before. So we do appreciate uh, Mike Bone, USC athletic director. Is there anything else you wanted to, to share with us before we let you go? We do appreciate. I know you're a busy guy, so we appreciate your time. Uh, first of all, you don't have to apologize. I'm happy to come on when, whenever you'd like to visit. I, I appreciate your uh, uh, overall passion for what you do. You have a tough job, and, and, and we want to do everything we can to engage with you and pull it together. But I think it's important for me to close with overall, we feel our momentum building every day. I've mentioned that a couple of times and, and uh, with all the moves that we've made. And to me, it's more about what the, the moves we are making represent, which is us signaling to everyone, recruits, our competitors, and the nation that we're coming. I think there are a lot of people afraid of what will happen when this sleeping giant reawakens and we're rising, and we're committed to that each and every day with a competitive spirit that matches that of our fans. I, you know, I love what you said there, and this is one of the things that we, we hear from the fans all the time. They felt for years, Mike, that USC hasn't acted like USC. They haven't acted like a blue blood program. And just from talking with you, it sounds like yeah, there's a lot of work to do, but that's like the goal. Like You want to be USC again. Well, no question, and, but, and that's why I don't want it to be about, you know, Mike's words or this and that. I want our actions to do our talking, and I think that's why the, the uh, developments associated with the football staff and the commitments that we're making to the program and the commitments we're making to our student-athletes on a daily basis are represented, respected, understood, and a clear indication of our competitive spirit. Mike Bone, USC Athletic Director. Thanks so much again. We really appreciate yeah, you coming on the so show. Thank you so much. Yeah, I look forward to doing it again. You all have a great day. Fight on. All right, that's USC Athletic Director Mike Bone. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and Keely and I will talk about our reactions to the interview with the Athletic Director. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we're back here on the peristyle podcast uh, with keely your follow on twitter at keely is my name keely yes so it's been a while we had uh there were round tables. Were you there for Pat Hayden? You were there for Pat Hayden. A I was bit. there for Pat Hayden. There were some round tables. I was um, not there for said round tables, though. Or maybe it was one round table. Okay. Uh, his, yeah, th- but he was a little bit accessible. And mm-hmm. Lin Swan was inaccessible. Yes. Like, even to people that worked for him. Like, they, you couldn't talk to Lin Swan. Certainly didn't want to talk to us. Um, the fact that Mike Bone has been this accessible is a really a breath of fresh air. I, You know, people say... He gets it. I think he gets it. You can argue you don't like decisions he made or things like that, but I, I feel like he's doing a lot of the right things that you need to do where you, you have to try to get people on your side. You need to talk to the media. You need to get your yeah. your message out there and not just let people put their own you know spin on whatever you think it is. Yeah, and it shows awareness. And I think you saw that in his answer when you gave him a chance to clarify about the recruiting comments. You kind of see the position that he's in, and it made sense. And he owned up to kind of the mistakes he made in that answer. Yeah. But it shows an awareness, a learning, a humility. Sometimes we didn't see that from humility. There's yeah. no, no, yeah. So I think that was an encouraging sign if you're a USC fan. Some of the things he said as well. Yeah, I thought that was good. And uh, you know, we see on the Peristyle people you know, that would hammer him for things like that. And and we get we if you read our war rooms, make sure you check it out. Uh, USCfootball.com on Fridays. We put a lot of inside information stuff in there. And the more we we see, you know, Mike Bone in action, and and he mentioned Brandon Sosna and what they're doing there. I think the more you kind of figure out, wow, there was a lot of screwed up stuff going on, and they they have a pretty big job to clean up. Yeah, this is not something that if you want it done the right way, 
you ha- it has to take a- some time. It's not going to be a quick fix. And Ryan, you always have your requirements for who USC is going to hire. If you want to remind the people your requirements. Yeah, you should be good at your job and don't know the fight song. And part of not knowing the fight song is you don't know anything. You don't, you, you don't know the people. You're coming in brand new. So to learn uh, the ins and outs, to build those relationships, it takes time. Yeah. And so I think that's what we're seeing right now. It's not going to be a quick fix. But it seems like from what we've seen and heard... They're trying to make positive steps forward. Yeah. Now. I mean, there's that initial, when you do hire someone that hasn't been there before, like Lane Kiffin knew everything about USC. Steve Sarkeesian knew everything about yeah. USC. Lynn Swan, Pat Hayden, like Pat Hayden more so because he was actually around the program. Lynn Swan wasn't really, but they knew that stuff. And Mike Bowen's going to come in and be on an island and not really know. And, you know, we, we both don't agree with the decision that was made like early on. But you can kind of understand, like, you're there for three weeks or something, and like, here you go. This is this horrible problem you have to deal with. And, yeah. Um, so it's tough. But that, once that's over, and I, I'm not going to begrudge fans that are going to say, I don't care. The, that That's that's a bad decision. I don't like it as far as uh, retaining the head coach. I think what he has to do, and like he said going forward, is we got to try to make the best moves now. Uh, if you like that decision or not, whatever you did – You've you've crossed that bridge, and now you got a whole bunch of other. It's not like the problems are over. I do like the way they assembled the coaching staff. You know, the doubling the recruiting staff. Like those are all things that are important. And you can argue why weren't they done before? I, I think now you have you know someone that's been an actual athletic director before makes a big difference. And I think you're seeing some of that happen. Yeah, without a doubt. Now that's not to say I that I don't understand fans anger and hesitation oh, and skepticism if you've been a fan of this program and you've seen what the athletic department has done for the last 10 years of course you would be skeptical of course you would be hesitant when someone new is coming in and saying these things so i get it but at the same time he's also saying the right thing so it's a give and take i guess yeah and it's it, they're trying to win fans over we talked about this in the war room like hitting a bunch of singles and i think they've done that yeah just the fcs school thing alone where the people that knew USC, that knew the tradition, that knew how important that was, who had been there for decades, didn't would rather say you know give a and they gave a very specific interview. I think it was to uh, Antonio Morales at the Athletic like talking it. about it. Uh, this was Steve Lopes. Are you telling me that there wasn't a way around? You know, they made it sound like there's no way we can do this going forward without scheduling an FCS school. And to me, that just sounded completely there's just there's no way that that was the case and you have an outside you know uh you know people with outside vision coming in and mike bone coming in hearing from the fans like this was terrible why are we scheduling fcs school now but it's harder to like undo it like it would have been way easier to not do it at all yeah so his job became to just get back to what it should normally be you've put this huge roadblock in front of him and to their credit, they're like, you know what? Okay, we're gonna have to play pay a buyout. We're gonna have to figure out something new, and it might not be as you know, it might be a tougher game or whatever it is. But they did it. They're like, this is important, and they did it. So if you love that they were gonna play at FCS school or you hate it, whatever it is, I think you have to you know give them credit for recognizing that this was a a self inflicted wound that USC and. and they're the ones that have to come in and triage the situation and fix it. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's something that they didn't have to do. If this was prior athletic yeah. directors, they could have been like, so what? It's not my fault. I didn't right. make this problem. We're continuing We scheduled forward. this game. and That was before I got here. Right. Yeah. 
but the fact that they're listening and, and trying to fix that, I think, shows. I think it's a good olive branch to USC fans. Like, we're trying. We yeah. listen. We hear you, you know? I think the first thing you did was allow the song girls back in the. In you the always Gale advocated Center. for that. It's, it's an easy that single the, if we're they, keeping the, the baseball analogy. The low lowest hanging of fruit. Like, you're, what did you do? You banned the song girls. Like, it's almost like a parody at this point. You can't, like, yeah. But this was a big one, and I like the fact that it wasn't going to be easy, and it's it's a lot harder to fix than it would have been to avoid. And then they they, they did that. As far as the Reggie Bush stuff goes, did you get a set? Like he can't really talk about it. Yeah. But he said he heard the fans. Like they want the fans are talking. You know, they talked about the FCS school. He, he reacted. You know what the, the transitive property. I, I kind of feel like they're going to do something on the Reggie, but you know he can't say it. But yeah. it sounds like they sounds like it. Yeah, we shall see. Is that your your gut on it, or what was your my gut? It sounded the fact that he at least entertained the thought. I think is progress from USC as the entity. Yeah, where it's been disassociate, disassociate, disassociate. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. And, anything else stand out to you? I mean, we just did like it, we're it's, like it's reacting. a blur to be honest. Yeah, we're just reacting. There was a you know. This was a unique opportunity for us, so we wanted to make sure we did it right. And I know there's going to be some fans that would, yeah. you know, we wanted you to hammer him and all this stuff. And we we obviously want to get the. I think we asked a lot of tough questions, but we want to, you know, we're going to be fair to him too. And if he didn't want to talk more about, you know, the the decision to you know, retain Clay Helton, okay, that's fine. You yeah, know, that caught me a little bit off guard. I get it from the standpoint of you have to back your guy at this point in yeah, February. You, on, yeah. you have to move on. Spring camp starts in 20 days. So I understand that just from a let's settle this standpoint. I wanted to go further, but you know, it's a relationship. You got to work back and forth and compromise on something. So of course people are going to be angry and, and not think that we and asked this or did this, but you know, we tried the best. We, yeah. So apologize if you didn't like some of the questions or whatever we asked. We tried to get to a variety of topics. We had a limited amount of time, and uh, it was you know it was really for him to give us thirty minutes to just That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So that was nice uh, that he did that. Um, the the interesting thing about the coaching hires and he gave a lot of credit to Clay Helton. We haven't seen athletic directors or the athletic department really be involved in things like that before they're obviously involved i don't think you know some people are saying he hired all the guys i don't think that's the case i think it's more of a collaborative effort just my take on it yeah but they did have a really good hiring process at cincinnati all the coaches they brought in you know they were doing a really good job um and to be able to apply some of those processes for this i think helped you know helped a lot but that to make it a collaborative effort, we we saw Clay Helton hire out of his comfort zone, where if your athletic director is not getting involved and kind of helping you do that, you're probably not getting the staff that you have right now. Well, Bone was definitely giving Clay Helton credit, but it seems like it was a collaborative process. But are you suggesting that Bone definitely had a hand, a heavy hand in it? I don't know about heavy hand. I think he was involved. I think that you needed the athletic department to come in and say, here's what you know is available and the the fact that you could get a Dante Williams from Oregon, would that have been something, would Clay have had the support to do that? So maybe Clay Helton wanted to do things like that before, but never had the support. Now you have the support of the athletic department behind you. They could come up with names like, hey, look, Todd Orlando, if we would have tried to get him two years ago, there's no way. He was the hottest coach. And maybe he's a scapegoat there at Texas. We can get him now. Dante Williams you need a, you know, you had a bunch of Texas guys. You needed an LA recruiter. He's the number one recruiter in the Pac-12. So 
if Clay Helton was going to try to get those guys before and maybe was told, no, that guy's going to be too expensive or whatever, these guys were shrewd enough to be able to target the right people, the ones that they think are going to fit in their system or fit with them and the guys they already have, but also be able to negotiate contracts and get them, convince them to leave Oregon or yep. whatever it is. So I think that it's more about support from the athletic department. And maybe there were names that they were bringing up because they, they do have that analytical approach and they, they had some ideas like, hey, this is a coach we heard is good or blah, 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 and kind of work together with Clay. So I, I think it allowed them them knowing what they're doing allowed them allowed Clay Helton. It kind of opened up some, you know, opened up the horizon, it gave some sure. new opportunities, I would say. Sure. That makes sense. And it, I thought it was interesting how he was essentially alluding to Dante Williams when he said, you know, making your mark, letting people know that USC is quote unquote back, stuff like that. Where yeah. a, a Dante Williams move like that kind of signal signifies that as well. It's a big one. It's mm-hmm. a big move. And Oregon, you know, once you find out what, you know, Oregon was not happy that he was going to leave. Yeah. So that's when you know. Like if, when you take when you hire Steve Sarkeesian away from Washington and all you get is sighs of relief from Seattle, you probably didn't hire well. When you hire Dante Williams and Eugene is like burning down like they're so pissed off, then you did a good job. You know, like that's that's how you gotta look at the hire. And so having experienced people that have been in athletic administration before makes a huge difference. You don't just hire the guy that you know, and when you hire him away and they're like, oh, good, because now we could go get Chris Peterson. Like, you screwed up. Like, you did the wrong thing. Yeah. When you get Dante Williams, you did the right thing. Yeah. Um, you look at a Todd Orlando, that's more of a, well, they got rid of him, but you still feel like, you know, everywhere he's gone, he's done really well, at least early year, on. Yeah. So I, I like the, there's, I'm not saying I don't know all the details behind their processes and all that stuff, but they have a plan. They have a plan that's worked before. They're trying to implement it again. They don't just come in and be like, I played football at USC. Here's what we're doing. Experience matters, which we've said (laughs) a lot on this show, but experience matters. And the fact that we have to even say that in regards to USC's athletic department is a sad thing, but at least if you're a USC fan, this is a positive sign. Steps forward. It's it's gotta be steps forward. So, uh, well, Interesting. Well, we'll see how that goes over. I'm curious. Let us know. <laughs> Send a, tweet us at Keely is my name. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm already bunkering down. You can tweet me at Inside Troy. Uh, hopefully people uh, enjoyed it. And it was not, I mean, I do like that he's, you know, he is accessible. If you go to a basketball game, you can talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, say hello. Brandon Sosna, same way. Uh, I sat with Brandon uh, courtside for one of the games, too, and chatted with him. They they get, I think, you know, it's weird. It's a cliche or whatever, but they do get it. Like they understand, um, you know, they understand the the passionate fans and yeah. it is important. He didn't mind that fans, he kind of alluded to like the fans blowing up his Twitter and stuff. Um, but he knows there's passion there and what we've seen. And I've talked about this with a lot of people that the passion's good, anger, uh, joy, whatever it, but you're very passionate about. That's good apathy that's the problem it's a big problem and we've seen some of the fans become apathetic and that's what these guys have to fight against because if you're just like i'm out and you know through a a mutual friend someone that works at 24 7 who's a longtime season ticket holder we i got into some communication with with them he had an interaction with the athletic department and and brandon sosna and he had given up his season tickets and renewed them. 
and got a personal phone call from Mike Bone. And like, that's the kind of stuff where that would have never happened before, you know? So is it going to be trying to win back season ticket holders one person at a time? You know, maybe it is, but at least it's something in the right direction. To even take that approach. I mean, that's a smart approach. That's a good salesman right there to have Mike Bone, the athletic director, call this one season ticket holder. Right. It's not the, the huge booster guy. It's no. a season ticket holder, like yeah. a regular season ticket holder. Yeah. You know? It's a good strategy, and it shows some smarts. So right. So we shall see. We will see. But uh, thanks again uh, to Mike Bone for doing that. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, Keely and I had fun. Hopefully you did, we did. too. We did. We did. Um, well, if you're listening to this in the couple hours before – Wednesday night, Tunnel Vision starts at 7 p.m. Check it uh, you out. You can watch that one. We, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll play a clip or something from... Ooh. We could do that. That's going to take some work for me. Some of the breaking news. Yeah, it takes some work for me. But um, All right. That's Keely Yor. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks to Mike Bone for joining us. And thanks to all of you for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. This is what we alluded to when I talked about there was a little something special coming uh, earlier this week. This was it. So Ta-da. hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 